I'm Dr. John Tam, and welcome to the Career Change Advice Podcast. My definition of the good career is one that is aligned to who you are, whether it's clocking an 80-hour work week or having a job that just passes time so you can go home and spend it with your loved ones. I believe that a good career works for you and not the other way around. I promise to support you with every single episode with sound career advice for positive change, whether it's minor tweaks or a full-on career switch. Let's begin. What's up? Welcome back to my channel, the best place for hardworking millennials to bring positive change to their careers. Now, one of the things that I hear a lot about is that I can't find my career path because I have no passion. And that's the problem I'm gonna be tackling in this video. So make sure you subscribe and click the notification bell to receive regular updates on all things related to career change. Also, join my Facebook group called Career Change Advice where you can chat with like-minded people who are interested in making their careers work for them and not the other way around. Hi, I'm Dr. John Tam and I'm all about helping people bring positive change in their careers. So in this video, I'm gonna break it down for you on how to find your career in your 20s when you have no passion. So without further ado, let's get started. Step one, you have to understand what passion is. And I'm gonna get into a little bit of biochemistry here. Passion is basically, you can break it down to several things. The nice neurotransmitters, which would be dopamine, oxytocin, and serotonin. Now, dopamine is essentially the creativity and exploration hormone and neurotransmitter. It's the, you know, when people go to the casino and there's a, ching and all the rings and dinglings and all that stuff or when you're playing video games and your video game you open a treasure box and it's like ta-da right there's awesome stuff you know uh, confetti and all that all that stimulates your dopamine system your dopaminergic system and basically it's what helps you explore and what keeps you going and looking and binging and looking for the next thing now back in the day and i'm talking about you know, way back when, before before the internet and all the social media stuff started blowing up. Back in the day, people generated dopamine by creating and by applying their skills to do something. And over time, they get better at it. They create, so for example, um, woodworking, they make a box and like, hey, I'm really good at making boxes. I make more boxes. And that's what creates dopamine. Nowadays, we get a lot of cheap hits in dopamine, so social media scrolling, Instagram, TikTok, uh, or whatever, um, playing video games, right? I'm not saying, I'm not against playing video games, um, binging on Netflix. A lot of these things give you a dopamine hit, right? Porn, porn's another big one. And essentially, what that does is it kind of confuses your brain that you're getting all your dopamine by doing things that excite you, but it doesn't really develop a skill or creativity, at least one that can be monetized unless you're a crazy gamer and you're able to make a living off Twitch, but that's something else. So that's dopamine. Another thing is oxytocin, which is essentially the social bond hormone. It's what's generated when you sing in a choir and everyone's in harmony and everyone is feeling awesome. It's also a spike that you get when you do something like karaoke, right? That's why singing is so cathartic. It feels so good. Um, and sex, sex generates a lot of oxytocin as well. Um, anything that like, you know, uh, skin contact, in Korea, we call it skinship, right? All of that creates a lot of oxytocin. And that's also highly motivating as well because it's so comforting. 
The third hormone neurotransmitter is serotonin. And serotonin is sometimes called the happy chemical, which is generated where there are occasions that allow you to puff up your chest and you know, if you hit the game-winning shot in a basketball game, um, you will puff up your chest, right? And you'll be like, yeah, no, beat your chest and so on. Um, those would all be tapping into your serotonergic system. So you get that when you win a game or you excel in competition. There's a lot more biochemistry involved in what sparks passion, but essentially these three are the more popular ones that people talk about because they actually map directly into your intrinsic motivation system. So one of the best research out there for intrinsic motivation, which is stuff that motivates you internally. You don't need people to pay you. You'll actually do it yourself because you love it. It maintains that intrinsic motivation is based on competence, autonomy, and relatedness. And that actually breaks out to the acronym of CAR, right? It takes you from one place to another. And when you map that to the three hormones slash neurotransmitters that I listed out earlier, serotonin is basically about competence because with competence, you win more and with more winning, you are more energetic and more passionate and feel, you know, just feel better about it, right? Autonomy, is mapped with the dopamine, right? You are able to pursue what you want to pursue, and that's the dopaminergic system, where you're able to explore what you want to explore. And the last one is oxytocin, which is mapped to relatedness, relationships, and how being in a community of people and doing rituals together, and and this is, goes back to my PhD research, but ritual is, a ritual is basically anything that a group of people do together. Um, when you are doing these things together, you create community and that's what sparks passion. So when we're talking about passion, it needs to be fulfilling all three facets of intrinsic motivation. And I talk much more about this topic in depth in a playlist over here called the playlist of intrinsic motivation. It's an oldie, but a goodie, right? It was back. It was also made back when I was still talking to parents more. So you can check it out with that taken in context, but the science of motivation doesn't really change. What's motivating also depends on large part on your personality. So you can definitely take a free personality test in the description below to find different characteristics of a career that is a good fit for your personality. So having said that, now we know exactly what a passion is. Passion is something that sparks competence, autonomy and relatedness and we also talk about the chemistry behind that step two step two is creating a list of skills that you have and also the skills that you want to learn so what that means is to literally sit down and hammer out a list of skills that you currently have that checks all three boxes of competence autonomy and relatedness or perhaps it only checks out a couple of these boxes but one is missing so for example you may be in a community of software developers and you're good at what you do but Maybe you're lacking in the autonomy aspect to determine your own projects on which way your career is going. And so in that case, then the question is, is this something that you can address with a small tweak? Is this something that your workplace can accommodate for you, right? And that's one of the small fixes, right? By adapting the workplace to you. So you don't have to do a full out career change or whatnot. Another thing that you could do is determine what skills you want to explore more and make sure you do research on whether that particular industry is going to grow or not, where that skill is demanded. Also, don't dismiss your skills lightly. So for example, a decade ago, very few people thought that working full-time on your YouTube channel was going to be a profitable business, but look at YouTube nowadays, right? You're here watching and it's still growing. So you gotta be aware that there are 
soft skills and hard skills that are out there and the job market is quickly changing on them. So specifically, research has shown that soft skills are appreciating in value, especially the higher you go up in the workplace hierarchy. And you can check out the ultimate soft skills playlist that I've put together that outlines everything you know about soft skills in the near future. So step two is to map out your hard skills and soft skills. And we'll come back to this later on. Step three, it's to identify what life you wanna live. Now that you've taken an inventory of the skills that you have, you need to figure out how you want to live your life. Maybe you want to live the grind and hustle life that can you know, essentially lead you to clock 80 hour work weeks. Or maybe you want to have more of a work-life balance and use your career as a means to support your hobbies. Or maybe you have kids and you just want stability. Everyone is different. But essentially by mapping out what you want and setting out what's the good life for you is super important. The key is this, you can't look at Instagram and see someone who's living the good life and you feel that they're living the good life, but you don't understand the amount of work behind that or the things that they have to do to live that life. And maybe that will make you unhappy. So sorting out these priorities is super important. And also understand that these priorities will change, right? And in life stage research in sociology, you know, a typical life stage would be someone in their 20s would be, yeah, I'm trying to find my career path. I'm trying to live the grind and hustle life, um, pay my dues and build that experience. And by your 30s, you may be looking into getting married, um, building a family, perhaps taking a mortgage and so on. By your 40s, your kids would be growing up and you might want to go back to the work or you might want to do a career change. And, you know, it's called the midlife crisis for a reason. And that's why you got to understand that at each stage of your life, you are going to recalibrate this. You're going to sort out what's important for you at that point in time. And perhaps even look five or 10 years down the road because you need to sort out your priorities and then you align your work to that. And I talk a lot more about this in an older video here, so check it out in the cards above. So what are your priorities? Let me know in the comments below because I mean, everyone's priority is different. Step number four, it's about resourcing. And this stage may take more time, like maybe months, and it's gonna be totally worth it. And the reason behind that is because you are going to reach out to your warm water network which are people who would be naturally supportive of you and share with them your thoughts, share with them your priorities, share with them the skills that you have and talk to plenty of people, at least 10, like at least 10, to get a feel for what's out there. And by speaking to 10 people, you are essentially 10xing your reach and they become your eyes and ears on the market on what's out there. Maybe there's opportunities out there that you're not aware of that is totally aligned to the skills that you have and to your priorities. And maybe you're only an introduction away to landing your dream job, right? No one knows, but people can't help you if they don't know what you need. So generally, I would recommend at this stage in your 20s to try your hand in everything. In the sociology of work, being in your 20s is considered the exploration and establishment phase in your career. So it's a good idea to go around and try your hand at different things, get a taste of everything, and if you're not sure of what you're good at, just give it a try. There's really no harm in it. And that way you're sure to build experience and you're sure to know that this is a path that I don't wanna walk down, right? But of course, don't walk down a random path. You gotta map out the different possibilities available to you. And if you're concerned about, hey, if I keep trying different things, then won't I become a job hopper? 
you don't have to worry about that because there are ways to get around it with uh, things like you know a functional resume or objective statements and these are things that I'll cover in the future the fifth and final step is to set a target and to close the skills gap so once you've resourced your network you can then move towards setting a target and by setting a target you need to identify the industry the functional role the realistic level you want to enter at and then work to close the skills gap because at the end of the day you need to have prerequisite skills to get into a job and most of the time for an entry-level job of a career you need to have the hard skills for that because at the lower level they generally want you to do grunt work right only when you get to the higher levels does your soft skills really matter and so you need to take that into account as well so closing the skills gap by having a clear target is super important if you follow the steps that are listed out in this video you would have automatically aligned your skills with intrinsic motivation such as competence, autonomy, and relatedness, right? And once you close the skills gap, you would basically have everything it takes to enter into a career that at least you know ticks all the boxes for what sparks passion. And although you may be a little bit weaker at competence, so for example, if you wanna enter trade and you wanna be a welder and you don't have too much competence in it, that could be built over time. But at least you've done the work to know that, hey, if I keep going down this path, it's gonna be something that I'm gonna enjoy. So I have a guide that outlines everything that I discussed in this video, along with much more details on the resources to conduct career research. So definitely check that out. Also, check out the personality test that works well with the guide. I'll put it all in the descriptions below. I also have another playlist called Career Change Advice, where I give a lot of career change advice on how to find your career path and what if you need to pivot and so on and I'll put it in the cards above. Make sure to join my Facebook group Career Change Advice where you can be in the community of people who are interested in making their careers work for them. In my next video I'm going to focus on talking about how to close the skills gap because yes even though you have passion and you found your career direction if you can't enter that particular career path it's still not very useful. So I'm gonna be talking about how to close the skills gap with limited experience and how to actually build the experience to transition. So be sure to subscribe and click the notification bell for updates for when it comes out. Also leave a comment below and let me know your thoughts on this video. Don't forget to give it a like and share it with your network if you found this valuable. Take care. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate and review this podcast and share it with others who want their careers to work for them. Congrats for showing up and being your own career advocate today. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.